you're seeing the beginnings or the seeds of this mark of the beast system uh, being put in place as we speak. Trade, travel, sustenance is absolutely out of the question unless you receive this mark. These are unprecedented times, Johnny. Nothing of this scale has happened in the world this way. There has never been a, a falling away from all things decent and good in history on a global scale the way things have now. And on that basis, yes, it cemented my uh, belief that maybe this could be it. Welcome to another episode of the Staying Free podcast. In this episode, I spoke with Rick Munn, Rick is someone that I expect many of you will already know. He first came on my radar over two years ago when he started putting out really thought-provoking videos commenting on everything that was going on around the world with regards to COVID totalitarianism. But since then, Rick's come a really long way in the freedom movement, and now he's the host of the Locked and Loaded show on TNT Radio, which is a really great show that has excellent guests and discussions, and also showcases people who are a little bit less known in the freedom community. There's many things that I could have talked to Rick about in this episode, but I really wanted to cover something which I've heard Rick talk a lot about in the videos that he puts out on his Telegram group in particular, which is the more spiritual, or I guess I should rather say, the more religious nature of everything that's going on in the world. Rick believes that we are going through a kind of end times as prophesied in the Bible, particularly with regards to Revelation. And as someone who used to dismiss these kind of ideas, but more recently I've been sensing that there might be some inherent truth there, I wanted to put some of my thoughts to Rick that I've been having about this area and then allow Rick to share his interpretation and ideas about some of these things as well. So we're definitely going down more of the esoteric or religious route today. So I hope you stick with us on this one and I hope that some of it resonates. I think that Rick would probably agree with me when I say that he has really found his calling through this and his passion. And as with people who've been on my show and other people that you can see kind of out there in the community, some people have really taken the adversity of the world over the past two plus years and really evolved to become not only a better version of themselves, but someone who is able to communicate and lead others, especially in a time when so many of the traditional institutions have completely broken down. So I really appreciate Rick coming on and spending the time to come on my podcast. And I highly recommend that you follow Rick and check out his show on TNT Radio as well. As always, if you enjoyed the episode, please give it a like and a share on social media to try and get the word out there. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, please give it a five-star rating in whichever podcast app you're using. And if you're new here, give the podcast a subscribe and check out some of the previous episodes. I'm sure there'll be a lot of episodes that interest you featuring familiar guests from the freedom community. If you'd like to support the podcast, there's two ways to do that. The first is to click the icon on the Twitter page, which will allow you to give a Bitcoin tip. The link to donate with Bitcoin is also in the description, and there's a link there to donate with Bitcoin Lightning as well. And the second is to give a regular tip with Fiat using the Buy Me A Coffee link, which is also in the description. Tips are hugely appreciated and will go directly towards the cost of running the show. All right, on to the episode. Yeah, it's really good to, to talk to you. So thanks a lot for agreeing to come on. No problem. I am a fan of your um, Telegram group and all the rest of it, the videos and stuff you've been putting on. Um, yeah, I've got loads of stuff that I want to talk to you about today. Yeah, I actually, uh, I've, I've been meaning to contact you. Um, I'd followed you on 
uh, Twitter and I saw you're doing these podcasts and uh, I'd meant to reach out to you actually about maybe popping on to uh, the show for an hour just for a chat with you but the schedule's nuts at the minute but I'm, I'm freeing up more time over the next few weeks so maybe uh, maybe if you like and you're up for it uh, you can hop on and we can we can talk geopolitics etc on TNT radio as well yeah I'd love to yeah I'd love to. That'd be that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. I've been um, I've been um, dipping in and out of uh, of TNT. Um, yeah, I've seen that you've got a lot of um, people on there who I kind of already know, and it's nice mm-hmm. to see you getting some kind of fresh um, faces on there, or at least fresh yeah. voices on there as well. Yeah. How did that come about, by the way, the TNT stuff? Uh, the station or me being on it? Yeah, you be well. I guess both. Yeah. Well, the station came up out of necessity. Uh, there needed to be. Uh, someone in Australia thought there needed to be uh, an alternate voice for uh, to counter the narrative. Uh, that person uh, planned to put together a station. This was back last year. Uh, I was uh, my Twitter uploads are what caught someone's eye in Australia who sent. Um, one of my video clips to a guy called Mike Ryan, who runs Asia Pacific today. It's like a TV thing they have over there online. He invited me on. I thought it was a joke. I thought they were going to, I didn't know anything about them. I thought they were going to make fun of me and make me look foolish. So I ignored him him for a while. And then the producer contacted me back and did some research, thought, okay, they look okay. Uh, He said, okay, I want you to come on for 10 minutes. I'm going to ask you some questions. I said, why not? And then 10 minutes turned into an hour. He turned it into a show. And then he said, I like the way that came out. So uh, maybe down the line, uh, we're going to get a station together, a talk station, radio station. I uh, would like you to be a part of it. So again, I said, yeah, I took it with a pinch of salt. Like most people's promises and dreams are, you know, they're just uh, thoughts and dreams. But six months later, Christmas, I called, he got back to me and he said, yep, we're going to go in January. Uh, if you're still interested, we'd like you on board. So I said, why not? So I jacked in my job on New Year's Eve. I've been working for a large government organization for 11 years of no background in broadcasting and no qualifications in radio, blah, blah, blah. He just wanted to give me a shot. So I took it and so far so good. That's so great to hear. Yeah. It's, um, it's awesome to hear when kind of through everything that's been going on, people have kind of found their purpose because yeah, it's almost like <laughs> one of those things that I, I feel like with everything that's been happening in the world, there's kind of been two choices. One is to kind of bury your head in the sand, hope that nothing bad's happening, hide away and, you know, not kind of have any kind of a growth opportunity from it. And the other is to kind of go head first into it, face everything head on, accept the reality of what's going on. And actually on the other side of that, you know, for me personally, it's been a very fulfilling experience. And I know that I've talked to a lot of other people who have felt that as well, that Mm -hmm. they've become, you know, not not necessarily even just more kind of spiritually in, in tune with themselves, but also on a level of their own opportunities, you know, opportunities have, have come out the back of it, you know, new friendships, new jobs, et cetera. Yep. So yeah, it's great to hear that's happened for you as well. And you know, it's what you're doing on TNT is awesome. So yeah, congrats. It's, it's, it kind of is a miracle, you know, you're talking about uh, the show, the thrust of this will be, you know, you're curious about certain things. And let me tell you this, uh, Johnny, the me getting this at this time was, was, was a bona fide miracle. And uh, yeah, it came at the right time for me and my background, you know, I'm a talker. Um, I know mm-hmm. how to communicate with people. I've traveled, I've done evangelism, prison evangelism, radio evangelism in the past. So I've been trained in this sort of work, but not directly through commercial talk radio, etc. But 
the, the tools are there, you understand? So, and then the opportunity arose. So you put the tools with the opportunity and you get the product. Well, yeah, that, that's really great to hear. That's really great to hear. So yeah, I've been catching up on, um, obviously, you know, I reached out to you wanting to talk about some of the religious aspects of the things yeah. that are going on. And I've been catching up with your conversation. I've listened a couple of times now with Darren of Plymouth and, mm-hmm. um, that conversation was kind of an eye opener for me, but it, it wasn't necessarily just my first, um, kind of view into it from this, from this lens, mm-hmm. lens of the, the religious angle. I I'd kind mm-hmm. of been feeling it for a little while that there was, that there was a deeper, do I, do I dare say like spiritual nature to this or religious nature, but there's something there that is kind of more esoteric, um, mm-hmm. that I'm struggling to land on and I'm struggling to really find the words to articulate. So I'm really hoping that mm-hmm. you're going to be able to help me with that today. Okay. Okay. Well, basically, you know, anything you want, you can ask me anything you want. Then let me just say, you know, these are my own personal views. They're my own personal opinions. They're how I feel personally. Uh, Mm -hmm. Much of it is born out of, you know, experience. And yeah, I've tried and tested it. I've proven it to be real for me. But people could discount it, mock it, uh, agree with it. I don't care. It's it's not up to me to get you to think my way. I'm just simply here to answer any questions. And maybe, uh, you know, if you're curious about certain things, you know, feel free to ask. But yeah, this is this is me and this is what works for me. Other people may think it's a fairy tale. It's a load of rubbish. I, I don't care. Uh, that's their business and I won't uh, begrudge them their views much the same way as I wouldn't want anybody to begrudge me mine. Okay, great. Yeah, I mean, I guess just to kind of fill you in a bit on my background, I I don't come from a religious background at all. I went to like a a, a Church of England school. It wasn't a a particularly religious kind of school experience. And I've never, you know, been to church, you know, I've never been christened or anything like that. But I am coming on somewhat to the ideas of um, Christianity specifically. Um, you know, and I wouldn't say that, you know, I'm anyway kind of like a believer or anything. I started, I've started reading the Bible. I think there's something there that we, we shouldn't be discounting. And I think there's a reason that the Bible has become, you know, the most, presumably the most um, successful uh, written piece in all of yeah. history. Right. So yeah. I, I think there's something there. Um, so I, I want to go, I, I guess we, you know, with you, I will be tackling mainly the, mm-hmm. the, the Christian angle of all, all this, but what do you think, first of all, to kind of other faiths? Is this purely, um, and I know we haven't really got into it yet, so this question might seem a little bit ag- abstract, mm-hmm. but is your yep. your take on this purely from the Christian angle? Or do you think that there is an equally valid um, way of looking at everything that's happening in the world right now from other world religions? Well, obviously, you know, other religions have their take on what's going on. Um, I take my single source of authority as the Bible being the inspired written word of God. That's it. Um, So by all means, there's different views on it. And a lot of the views from different religions are similar uh, and have a lot of parallels with what I believe as a believer. But ultimately, I believe in uh, in the contents of the Bible, what it is, uh, what it means, and uh, that it is it provides the answers that I need and it provides the direction that I need. Uh, but I don't discount anybody else's faith. I respect other people if they're a Muslim or a Jew or an, you know, an atheist or a Satanist. Whatever floats your boat, uh, if it works for you and you feel that that's the way for you, 
well then great embrace it and go with it but for me personally i have found you know in the words of christ himself in john 14 and 6 he said i am the way the truth and the life no man comes unto the father but by me that's very definitive and that's something that i go by i don't water it down and i don't try and marry it to what i think or what i feel personally that's the the root of my faith and that's what i've pursued since 1998 uh so i'm quite long in the tooth in terms of my evangelical faith so yeah that that's a good place to start so do you mind just kind of giving us a bit of a brief history of the the before and after you said that 1998 was the big the big pivotal year for you so Mm -hmm. who was rick mum before 1998 and then what happened to then project you into the next phase of your life on a more kind of religious or faithful path well, I was brought up uh, in the Anglican Church. You know, you said you went to a Church of England school. Uh, I was brought from age zero uh, to a Church of Ireland church by my mother. Uh, went through Sunday school, went through what was called an, a confirmation class at 13. I got confirmed. I became a member uh, of the church, you know, all the all the trappings that came along with it and continued that way until I was about 18. So I did have a religious background, but I became progressively more disillusioned with it uh, when I saw that there's a lot of hypocrisy uh, in the Christian church. Uh, people say one thing and then they do something else. And to me, that was a big turnoff uh, to see people that were, you know, acting in spurious ways uh, through the week. And then they put on their suit on a Sunday with their big Bible and they put a smile on their face and they go and stand in the house of God and appear holy. It was like a one day a week thing. So, and plus the teachings that I was getting uh, or that I was hearing from the pulpit uh, didn't actually marry up a lot uh, with what was actually in the Bible. A lot of it was men's take on it and men's interpretation on it. So within the Christian church, you have many denominations. You have Church of England, you have Church of Scotland, you have Church of Ireland, you have Methodist, you've Presbyterian, you're free Presbyterian, on and on and on and on it goes. They've all got their own little takes on what the word of God is and how it should be applied and you know their own systems of worship. Okay. So to me it became very, very stale. And at about 18, uh, I said, like, this is not for me anymore. So I went out into the world doing what teenage boys do, you know, um, living life, living large, taking chances, getting into trouble uh, and getting by by the skin of my teeth. And that continued for about uh, five years-ish. And then I had a, I had a few what you might call uh, near misses, a few near-death experiences uh, in various shapes and forms, in various situations. And it it sobered me up uh, in terms of it began to make me look at my own mortality. And then I began to ask myself a question, well, what would happen if God forbid I died? What I what do I believe would happen to me? And then I cast my mind back to my old, my old teachings, vague teachings in the church. And I talked about judgment and heaven and hell and eternity. And I knew on a personal level, I believed in it back then, but I didn't apply it. And I knew for sure uh, that if anything was to happen to me, I wasn't going to uh, paradise. <laughs> Let's just say that. So that uh, that gave me a, a rude awakening. Uh, I had a bad experience one night. Uh, I was extremely drunk. In fact, about 50 feet from where I'm sitting right now, a railway bridge, I was crossing it one night. I passed out, I blacked out, which I never did when I drank heavily. I fell backwards into the road in front of a lorry. I cracked my skull, thought my skull was fractured. The lorry had to swerve to go around me. And it really brought me to my senses. And uh, at that point, I then started to search much 
maybe the way you're doing a little bit of searching now, that's then the position that I was in in uh, March of 1998. And uh, from there, I started to started to dig a little bit deeper. Dare I say the way you're digging a little bit deeper now, <clears throat> excuse me, in the way Darren, who'd done that podcast that you listened to, he's digging deeper. You'd be very surprised, Johnny, at the amount of people that are starting to dig a little bit deeper spiritually now. Uh, it would surprise you, my friend. <laughs> yeah, well, well, actually, just from doing this podcast and having conversations with people, I've realized that as well. You yeah. know? So it doesn't, obviously, I was kind of coming to it myself. And at one point, I was like, God, you know, is it just me who's who's kind of feeling something going on here? Uh, and then, yeah, from having these conversations, I realized there is more. So it doesn't surprise yeah. me at all now. Okay. Well, well, in a way, uh, let me just say this in a way, you know, there's different things uh, jar people to have, you could call it a spiritual awakening. Okay. So forget about religion. For me, religions of men, religion, they take spirituality and they put a building around it and they put uh, vestments on it. They, they put golden staffs on it. They put uh, thrones on it. uh, They give titles to it. They take something that should be pure and simple which is faith, and then they, they, they bastardize it and they commercialize it and they water it down and dilute it to where it's unrecognizable to what actual faith really is, okay? So, um, you know, different people have different spiritual awakenings at different times and in different ways. It took the things that I've just described to jolt me back in 1998. That was my time. This maybe is a stirring that you're feeling at this time because of the current world events. You're starting to hear things. You're starting to feel things that resonate within you. You're getting curious. You're scratching your head maybe, and you're pondering going, maybe there's something more to this and maybe this and maybe that. So yeah, that's the, that's really the beginnings of that, that spiritual awakening. You may not awake or you may just continue as you are and be happy to do that, or it may develop uh, into other things, but time, uh, time will tell. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I guess like it's almost as though the, the events that are taking place, some people have been shaken into some kind of, let's call it maybe an altered state of spirituality mm-hmm. and then other people haven't at all. And sometimes I wonder, you know, the people who can't see the things that you and I can see, mm-hmm. uh, is it just that they're, they're not ready to see it? I mean, how, how do you, um, how do you view that? Because, you know, this might get to the root of a question which I've had for a long time, mm-hmm. which is how do some people seem so blasé about everything mm-hmm. that's happened, particularly over the past kind of two and a half years, whilst mm-hmm. people might like me and you look at it and we go, this is a fundamental, you know, at the very least, even if you don't look at it through a, through a religious mm-hmm. or spiritual lens, at the very least, yep. it is a massive shaking up of the world order in a way that we've we've not seen in an entire, mm-hmm. you know, uh, definitely not in a generation, but probably no. not in potentially hundreds of years. History. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, uh, the, the question of why do some people see, why do some people not? <clears throat> I don't know that there's a definite answer to that. To me, um, you know, like I said, it's a, it's for me, it was a stirring. It was a spiritual stirring that I believe uh, the Holy Spirit was working on me. He was uh, convicting me of the situation that I was in and causing me to reflect and dig a little bit deeper. Okay, so there's free will. We all have free will. Uh, God does not put anybody's arm up their back and railroad them down a certain track. Some some people believe that he does. Some people believe that he don't. Uh, if he did, then the, 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 the main criticism will be, well, we can't do anything we want. We're controlled by this evil God who just moves 
us around like pawns on a chess piece. The flip side to free will is, well, God doesn't do anything about all the evils and disasters that are happening in the world. He doesn't care. Well, if he did intervene and he did stop it all, then you would say he was controlling and backwards and forwards it goes. Okay, so those that have not yet uh, came to their senses, maybe they actually have, uh, but they're in denial. Or maybe they have and they don't want to deal with it right now. It's too big an issue to deal with. It's so big and so impo- uh, uh, imposing and so stressful to have to address your mortality, maybe. And the fact that this could be the end of the end uh, within the next five to ten years, maybe, People don't want to deal with that stuff, especially when they can't pay their bills. They don't know what way their kids are going to grow up. They don't know about their job security. Stress after stress after stress. But it's usually um, stress and danger and uh, mortality. Your feeling of mortality brings about these uh, awakenings. They're used that way, I believe, by God to jolt us and to shake us if he's been whispering it to us. To us in the past and we've ignored him sometimes he gives us a, a slap in the face as it were and say hey you need to pay attention but it's up to you whether or not you act on that or not or you just go on your merry way right right interesting i, ju- I just want to go back to something you said before because you said that religion re- religion is of man yeah and i know that in i had this noted down from your conversation with darren that mm-hmm. you said religion is of man and faith faith is of god or faith is in god I just wanted to understand the differences between those two things. Okay, well, like I, I tried to explain about, you know, you take denominations and you take religious systems, you know, they, they all say that they have the answer and they are the way, okay, and there's no existence outside of their belief system, okay? So, like I said, you take faith, and, and let me give you the definition of faith, if you don't mind, actually. So, sure. you know, people are asking, well, what is faith? Well, in the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter one, it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So you're putting your faith in something that's not tangible and you're putting your faith in something that you can't see. And technically speaking, you know, there's no real reason why you should do that, but just on a deep, deep inner level, you feel that that's the right thing for you. So faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's what faith is, okay? You could say it's a blind faith because you can't actually see God, okay? But you believe he's out there maybe and you've experienced things that you can only attribute to the act of God, like for me, saving my life on many occasions, divine protection, divine intervention in circumstances, divine provision, divine direction when I've just needed it, miracle after miracle, I could list them, okay? So those are things that I couldn't see, but I put my faith in God and they manifested themselves in things that happen, okay? So that's faith at its purest level. It's just the evidence uh, of things not seen and the substance of things hoped for. Now, when you start to add things into that, like rituals and, um, you know, uh, how would you say, liturgies, uh, and you give men positions, he's a deacon, he's a minister, he's a canon, he's a deacon, he's a rector, he's an archbishop, and so on, and he's a curate, and the vestry are doing this, and we say that, and you can't do this, and you can't do that. That, That's not biblical. There needs to be a system of order in faith. However, each place has its own particular system. So who's right? You know, are the what do the Methodists do better than the Presbyterians? And what do they do better than the Church of England? And what are they doing differently from the Roman Catholics? They'll all tell you our way is the right way, but they all spurn from someone saying, okay, I want to build something here. I want to give myself a title and I want people to join my denomination because, you know, we're going to get you to the promised land. So 
the, when you mix in men and you mix in men's beliefs and men's uh, flawed interpretations of the word of God, then you have trouble and you have division and you have schism and you have all these different branches. And I'm just talking about Christianity here. It's mind boggling. And uh, yeah, it's, it's not the way it should be. There should be unity. There should be, uh, you know, there should be a oneness of heart and a oneness in vision and a oneness in direction and a love for your neighbor and a love for God manifested as much as possible in your everyday life. And, you know, if you look at the church today, could you honestly say that that's what you see? Yeah, well, I think that's probably one of the the things that's kind of put me off traditional <laughs> religion for so long is that mm-hmm. that what you've just described there was basically my view for a long time. And it yeah. wasn't until until recently of kind of, you know, having some kind of faith. And I, again, I, I still don't know whether whether this faith that I have now is necessarily that I can necessarily ascribe it to Christianity. And I, and I am mm-hmm. obviously going, going down that path and exploring yeah. it, but I'm still to use a, perhaps the wrong term here, but like I'm a bit mm-hmm. ag- agnostic about it at this stage yeah. um, about fine. what the source of that, but yeah, you're right. I, I, I'm glad that you've um, kind of ironed out the differences between those, because mm-hmm. that is definitely one of the things that, that I felt as well, that mm-hmm. what I'm kind of feeling now as I'm coming, you know, more into some kind of spirituality, it just does not um, does not align with those kind of concepts of traditional mm-hmm. religion at all. So I just want to go back really briefly to um, mm-hmm. just um, I, know, I know I'm kind of darting around a little bit here, but I'm kind Sorry. of working up to to current day events. But after 1998, you had these experiences that led you um, on this path towards faith, and yeah. then after then. When was it that you kind of started developing, I guess, more of a concept of, you know, you talk a lot about kind of revelation and the things that are happening in the world today. Did that start as with many people in kind of 2019, 2020, or was it, was it earlier than that for you? Well, for me, it was right. Well, it was, it was before 1998 from as long as I read the Bible, I was conscious of the the events of the end times. Uh, The study of end times is called eschatology. So, you know, you look at it, there's various, you know, the end of the world's mentioned in in the book of Psalms. It's mentioned in uh, the the book of Revelation. It's mentioned in the gospels. It's mentioned in the book of Thessalonians. It's a theme that runs through the Bible. Okay. And sorry, let me, let me just clarify that Rick a second, because what I, what I meant by that that is actually seeing that manifest in some way in the world as in you start right. to see signs that those things were becoming more um more more kind of evident in, in the world yeah in that respect uh it was 2020 and uh i'll send you a link through to this just uh i had a i have a youtube channel um that i uploaded to almost daily where i was putting out uh scriptural messages and live streams etc talking like this for a long time and in march of uh, 2020 i made a video uh, and it was called new world order and in that video and it's time stamped so it's going back like everything that's happening now i said maybe this is the beginning of the end of the end uh, it's being ushered in now maybe this is how it starts so yeah i tied it in the possibility that these were the last days uh, from March 2020. I wasn't sure back then. I, w- I had a, an eyebrow raised, but as time has passed uh, and as the events of the last two and a half years have unfolded, it, uh, I'm more certain of it uh, now than I have been. However, maybe I've got it wrong. Other people in the past have said, this is it, the end is nigh, we're all going to die. It hasn't happened, but these are unprecedented times. Johnny, nothing of this scale has happened in the world this way and on the trajectory that we're going with governments uh, rising up against us with the, in- the injections, attacking children, changing an abortion laws to have live abortions, uh, 
on and on and on it goes. The grooming of children in schools, thousands of kids being raped in Rotherham and Telford and nothing being done about it, turning a blind eye, the media being complicit, the medical professional being complicit, teachers are being complicit. There has never been a, a falling away from all things decent and good in history on a global scale the way things have now. And on that basis, yes, it cemented my uh, belief that maybe this could be it. Right, right. Okay, okay. So, yeah, I mean, that's probably, I think, the shelling point for a lot of people, really, is mm-hmm. is when, when we started to see these things happen in 2020. And I think that it probably has, has happened um, for many years before that, and it went mm-hmm. under my radar. But for yeah. me, just to kind of tell you where, where my real watershed moment was mm-hmm. it was when um you know we, we had the lockdowns and stuff and at the beginning i didn't really have a huge um opinion about that i wasn't you know a, a, in the first couple of weeks i didn't really know whether it was the, the right or wrong thing to do i didn't necessarily even have a thoroughly thought out kind of ethical framework from of whether that was that was correct but that's another another subject but for me it was when they started talking extremely extremely early on before they'd even presumably started I, I, maybe they'd started researching the vaccine uh, i don't know but it was yeah. very early on it was like march april 2020 mm-hmm. and they were saying this isn't going to end until we've got a vaccine and i was thinking this is an incredibly strange conclusion to come to and i'd never been in any way a kind of anti vax or anything um you know i've, mm-hmm. I've always taken every vaccine that i yep. was you know <laughs> expected to take etc mm-hmm. but it, it just felt completely wrong for me it it, it really felt to me that the um, solution had been thought of before the problem. It was like the solution is the vaccine and we need to now justify, we need to now justify um, kind of bringing this upon the world. And that got me thinking, well, you know, what's the significance of this thing? And um, then when I started kind of hearing some of what you were saying and and other people about Uh um, revelation and how, uh, you know, the the whole idea of, um, you know, the mark of the beast and stuff. And I started thinking, Is this it? And and I don't know whether, you know, am I, I, even now I'm like, I think that I'm, I think that I don't believe that now, but something mm-hmm. struck me that I was like, they want to, they want to um, inject everybody seemingly mm-hmm. without um, any rationality behind it, no, no matter which lens you, you look through. Okay. You know, yeah. I, I mean, maybe for for some right really old people it was worth taking that kind of risk but when it was like okay no we've got to get every single person on the earth has got to take it and if you don't take it you can't travel if you don't take it you know you're not going to be able to buy food you're not going to be able to do whatever it is and then kind of pairing that with some of the ideas of the mark of the beast which is he who does not take the the mark of the beast you know will not be able Mm -hmm. to trade will not be able to kind of live a normal life etc i started seeing these parallels which seemed crazy and even when i talk about them now i am still kind of pinching myself thinking you know am, am i really um say, saying these things that I, I never thought i would say or, or drawing these parallels i never thought i would draw but i, I find it really hard to get away from that so I, i'm wondering if you like what what's your opinion of of that is yep. that is that a misinterpretation do you think there's something there um yeah how, how do you kind of put that together with your overall philosophy 
Okay, well, I've never thought that the mark of the beast is here as per right now. I'm a big believer, a big fan of the word trajectory. Okay, so when you throw a stone in the air, you can pretty much have an idea that it's going to arc. If you throw it into water, you know, it's going to sink. You have an idea of what the trajectory is. So when they started, uh, I was like you, by the way, in March, April 2020, when all this started, I was just going about my business. I thought, hey, okay, I'll stay at home for, you know, three weeks and whatever. But within a month, I started to certainly become skeptical. And actually for a year, I, I just remained silent. I only started doing the, the Twitter videos in uh, February 2021, which was a few months after the vaccine rollout came in the UK with the AstraZeneca product. And I started doing uploads about, I'm, I don't think this is good and this is why, and I think you need to be skeptical and this is why. So something wasn't sitting with me either. And I had been jabbed up to the eyeballs. I've done a lot of uh, traveling to sub-Saharan Africa, so I've just a every injection under the sun, you know, yellow fever, diphtheria, happy, happy, rabies, typhoid, meningococcal meningitis, and on and on and on and on it goes. So I was not an anti-vaxxer. If mm. anything, I've probably been, I had been injected more than anybody else I know uh, over the previous 10 years. So you couldn't label me an anti-vaxxer, an anti-science of a degree of a BSc honors degree in human anatomy. So I know about the human body. I'm not anti-science. I wasn't anti-vax back then, uh, but I was certainly disturbed. In my spirit, it's like discernment. You just feel something's wrong in your gut. You can't quite yes. place, a, place a finger on why, but that's, you know, your spirit is, is saying, eh, there's danger there. You get a gut feeling yeah. sometimes yes, about yes. situations. So you got that about the vax back in uh, April, May 2020-ish. I was the same. Then I became vocal about it in 2021. And in terms of you know, people were saying the vaccine is the mark of the beast. There's microchips in it. There's not, and it's not the mark of the beast. It's a forerunner. So with any system that comes in, it doesn't just drop into place. It has to be constructed. Okay. So what I believe is happening right now is with digital identities, with the move to potential phasing out of cash, CBDCs, you saw the Canadian truckers, bank accounts were frozen. They're doing it now in Pakistan with people that are rising up in support of Imran Khan. It's happened in other places in China recently. Banks have uh, frozen assets, uh, deposits, classed them as assets. You can't get them. Your digital or your uh, COVID code has went from green to red, so you can't go to the bank. You're seeing the beginnings or the seeds of this mark of the beast system uh, being put in place as we speak, okay? And the ultimate manifestation, as you rightly say, and just for reference purposes for anybody uh, that's interested, you can read about this in Revelation chapter 13, and I'm just going to quote uh, two verses, 16 and 17, and he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, uh, free and bond, in other words, everyone on the planet to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, very specific, that no man might buy or sell, see if he had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So in other words, trade, travel, sustenance is absolutely out of the question unless you receive this mark could be a chip, could be, you know, there's a whole lot of ways they're describing it as, 
But anyone can see that we're going down that path now. And we've had tasters of already this year. And the technology is being developed uh, to, to further this. And legislation is being put into place as we speak to enable this. So, you know, it doesn't take a genius to see that, you know, there, there, there might just be something in this. Yeah, so that was one of the main ones. And I, I tend to agree with you. I thought at the time, I because it just seemed, you know, you described it really, really well there, the, the kind of... Mm-hmm emotional, um, I I guess, kind of journey you go through when you realize that there's something wrong here. And then Mm -hmm. you realize it's being pushed so heavily that, you know, you, um, you realize your life is going to be fundamentally changed if you don't go along with it. And I knew that at the time. And, you know, even not coming from any kind of a, um, at at that point, at least not having any kind of a religious um, approach to any of this, or even a kind of Mm -hmm. faith-based approach, I was very clear that I would not be taking the vaccine and mm-hmm. that my life might fundamentally change. I didn't know how far that was going to go, but I knew that um, that was my decision and I was going to stick with it. And there was yeah. something about that, and this is what another thing that I wanted to kind of move towards with you, is mm-hmm. obviously, you know, being someone who hasn't had a, a very thorough religious upbringing, but the story of Jesus and the story of the sacrifice and, and all, all the rest of it, um, yeah. that is obviously very front and center. And going going through this this process and kind of feeling like okay i'm i'm willing to kind of essentially sacrifice my, myself for, for something mm-hmm. that's purely a feeling deep in my heart mm-hmm. that this is fundamentally wrong um i'm willing to essentially sacrifice uh my quality of life for it you know and yep. i don't know how far that will go maybe i won't be able to travel maybe i you know won't be able to to go to bars maybe i won't be able to go to the shops and i i, I was mm-hmm. going to die on that hill and i guess mm-hmm. you could call that faith right because i yep. i I was very um, sure that even though I didn't know exactly why I had this very, very strong feeling inside me, I didn't want to go along with this. I was willing to die on that hill, right? So, and that kind of got me thinking about, okay, well, this rings a bell. And I'm not saying, okay, that you're some kind of Christ-like figure for making a decision like that. But what I'm saying is that maybe that's what uh, the the Bible was was getting at, or maybe that's a reference that you can draw, is Mm -hmm. this story of sacrifice and the you know, that you need to sometimes sacrifice yourself to come to a greater, uh, a deeper spiritual connection with God. Maybe that's something we all have to go through. And this was a kind of, a, a kind of a, a test for that. It was an opportunity to, to go deeper into that. I'm just wondering if you can speak to that for a bit, because, you know, again, I'm kind of struggling to find the right words for it, but I'm sure you'll do a better job than I will. Well, well, here's, here's, here's the commonest misconception with Christianity and something that's used to sell it to the masses, okay, wrongly, that creates disillusionment and ultimately falling away from the faith. So uh, the pitch is, if you become a Christian, you'll become a happy person. Uh, God will look after you. He'll heal you from all your sicknesses and diseases, and he'll keep you out of all trouble. Okay, a lot of places pitch Christianity to people like that, because let's face it, who doesn't want to be happy and healthy and live a ripe old age and dodge trouble and be provided for and not have any cares in the world? Okay, so that's generally, and they'll pull verses from the Bible and they'll say, look, this is what the word of God says, etc. The opposite is true. Uh, faith is generally characterized by in the flesh suffering uh, but I have found in my own walk with God if you want to call it that that when I've been at my lowest ebb when I have been at rock bottom that's when I have felt God closest to me to sustain me and to take me through the valley of the shadow of death and I'm talking literal death as well as mental death and you know uh, 
societal death in many, many ways of, I'm only here by the grace of God, okay? So Psalm 23 is a famous psalm, and it talks about, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me or give me strength. So the Bible doesn't say you'll go over the valley, you'll take a private jet over the valley, they'll build a bridge for you to go over the valley or you'll take a train through it. No, it says you'll walk through it and it's a dark place and it's an unsettling place. However, your your protector and your provider and your shepherd are there with you every step of the way. So I've found that my faith has been strengthened in, uh, when I've lost things and when I've been suffering in my health, my physical health, my mental health, that has actually galvanized my faith rather than when I'm doing well, I I tend to forget God and I tend to forget that all the good things that I have in life come from him and I should be mindful of that. And then sometimes then he gives you a a reminder by causing a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of want here and there. And then all of a sudden you find yourself all prayerful again because you want to get close to God. So there's a, there's a lot of misconceptions on Christianity's been pitched in a bad way. And, you know, in the end times as well, by the way, and I have to say this, you know, there's, and we won't have time to get into this in, in great detail, but there's this, theory and that's all it is it's a theory that there'd be what's called a pre-tribulation rapture where christ will come back to the earth whisk his church away save them from all suffering and the antichrist and being put to death then come back after seven years and establish his kingdom on earth there isn't a single bible verse that actually uh outlines the timing of christ's return it just says he's coming back it doesn't say it's going to be in secret people say oh no 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 it's there it's fanciful thinking. It's inferred thinking. And it, 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 let me just say this. This is for maybe the people that are listening and they're, <clears throat> they're already been saying for years, oh, he's coming back anytime. It's going to be anytime. Now we're going to avoid all this. It ain't happening. There's two words in the Bible. One is tribulation. Uh, if you look up in the original Greek text, it means thalipsis, okay, tribulation, suffering. And the other thing is wrath, which is orge. So we will believers will escape the wrath of God, but they will not escape tribulation on this earth. And tribulation runs from Genesis right the way through to Revelation, including Christ himself, who was butchered at age 33 and uh, you know crucified and suffered. John the Baptist was beheaded. This prophet Isaiah was sawn in half. Peter was crucified upside down and on and on and on it goes. So don't give me the old uh, prosperity, health, happiness and long life doctrine. It, it, it's not there. Some people get it. Some people don't. But again, a lot of misinterpretation on what the word of God actually says. Okay. So, so do you think that, um, do you think that I, I'm correct in my kind of interpretation though, that that this story of Christ is mm-hmm. not necessarily just to be taken in isolation, but actually we should we should be all trying to become more Christ-like and that the trials and tribulation of Christ himself is something which is required by all of us to get closer to God. Is that is that a correct interpretation? Do you yes, think? absolutely. I mean, like, uh, my, you know, you, uh, as a believer, okay, now listen, let me, let, me be, let me be straight here. You know, I wouldn't say I was a great Christian. Um, I'm not the best. I'm very lax in my prayer life sometimes. I neglect to read my Bible sometimes, but I do my best, all right? So to aspire to become more Christ-like, who would have a problem with that? Christ never uh, slated anybody. He never harmed anybody. He fed people. He healed people. He taught people to love your neighbor as you love yourself, to put other people before yourself. 
who could have a problem uh, with such teachings? And actually, you know, as you're talking, uh, I have my Bible beside me here. So and I have read it a few times over the years and, and I know it quite well. Uh, there's a there's a scripture here might be applicable to you where you talk about, you know, this example of Christ and should you become more like him and, you know, one thing and another. So it's uh, Matthew 11. Let me just see. Yeah, Matthew 11 uh, verses. And, and this is, listen, this, Johnny, this is relevant to you right now. And it's also relevant to anyone out there that's maybe struggling, okay, struggling in their yeah. mind, struggling in their finances, struggling in their body. The words of Christ, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, he says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, no exceptions, nobody's turned away. Okay, so if you're feeling burdened and you're feeling down and beat down and confused and directionless, he says, come to me, all that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then he says, take my yoke upon you, okay, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So if you can imagine a, a, a cow, two cows pulling a, a ply or a cart, they're, they're yoked together, okay? So it's almost as if he's saying, okay, listen, we've got burdens we need to move. You yoke yourself up with me. I'll help you pull it along. Learn of me and you will get rest. And if I have nothing else in my life right now, my friend, I have complete peace. I'm ready to die if they knock the door today or they kick it down and bullet me in the head as I'm talking to you now. doesn't faze me in the slightest because I have peace and I have rest and there's rest in my soul because of my faith, which is strengthened through hard times. So I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's great to hear as well. You know, like it, there's not many people who, who can say such a thing. I certainly uh, don't feel like I'm at that stage that, that I can say it. I do feel like I'm closer to that now uh-huh. um, than I've ever been, but I still think that uh-huh. I'm a long way off really feeling like I've, I've, uh, I'm at that stage where, you know, uh-huh. I could die co- completely contented. But um, yeah, th- thanks for sharing that. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, let me uh, let me just see what else I've got here. There, there's a ton more stuff. Um, how are you for time, by the way? I don't want to. Um... I'm fine for time. You you keep talking, and I'll cool. I'll, I'll keep cool. answering. All right. So, one of the reasons I wanted to to do um, this episode and kind of go into this um, the kind of spiritual uh, or kind of religious realm of things is because mm-hmm. I saw something um, recently on yep. Twitter, and it was saying about. Uh, you know, I think it was a, a thing about Bill Gates or, or someone of his ilk, and they want to, you know, spray the atmosphere with um, all of these l- tiny little particles that are going to mm-hmm. kind of, di- uh, what's it called, like reflect the sun, and mm-hmm. you know, therefore it's going to cool the Earth's temperature, etc. And I saw it, and I just thought, again, I, I had another moment of thinking, this reminds me of something, and. What it reminded me of was there's a there's a passage um, in the Bible, or there's probably several passages about it, mm-hmm. which is about false idols and about. And I'd always imagined this to be, you know, don't take false gods, i.e., mm-hmm. um, you know, don't worship a, a, a god that's not the real god. And it got me thinking yeah. that actually maybe what this means um, is don't worship humanity as being the god of ourselves, i.e. Mm-hmm. When we try to do um, these things like, uh, you know, oh, we're going to control the temperature of the planet by just spraying, you know, all these things into the atmosphere. It's almost like we're saying we know better than the nature. We know better than, than God. Like we're capable of determining our own destiny by kind of molding the planet according to our wishes. And actually, mm-hmm. you know, I wonder, first of all, whether that would be a similar interpretation of yours of, of 
that kind of idea of do not worship, uh, do not worship mm-hmm. false idols, and mm-hmm. also kind of whether there's you know more examples that that you think are evident of this, basically. Well, you know, when you say the word idol, uh, th- things come into your head, okay? Uh, and it, it, biblically, you know, there were there were idols set up to other gods, idols to Baal, even God's people made a, a golden calf back in the book of Exodus and they worshipped it while Moses was in Mount Sinai receiving the Ten Commandments and then he came down and he saw the idolatry went crazy. <laughs> idolatry, in effect, is this. Let me describe what I believe idolatry is. For me, idolatry is anything that comes between me and God, all right? So it doesn't have to be a physical idol. It could be my mobile phone, all right? I, okay. That could be my idol. So I have a Bible in front of me right now, and I have a mobile phone in front of me right now. I happen to be reading from the Word of God because I'm on a podcast with you, because that's what you want me, or that's what you're asking about. So therefore, that's what I'm doing. Now, when I finish with you, okay, what will be more edifying for my soul to continue to read the Word of God or to go and check out my Twitter, make a little video, go online, check the world's news before I do my radio show tomorrow? Of course, usually we fall down and we go down the route of technology or, or feeding our flesh, and there's nothing wrong with doing that. But what I'm saying is we devote excessive amounts of time to things that do not profit us and ultimately that make us weaker spiritually. And I, again, I'm guilty of it. So for me, my mobile phone could be an idol. Spotify could be an idol. Games I play online could be an idol. People that I associate with could be an idol because I neglect my faith and I neglect my work with God. I don't put enough time into it and I spent more time on unprofitable things. Okay, so idolatry... We have a traditional image of it. You know, what is it? You know, worshipping false idols. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the golden calf. It could be the iPhone 12 or the iPhone 13 or your Nike trainers or whatever it happens to be or your next car. You want to upgrade your car because you want to appear more successful than your neighbor. You have a love of money, which is the root of all evil and on and on it goes, okay? So the whole business as well with um, becoming, like manipulating the weather, for example, or interfering with gene sequences or the, you know, mRNA or DNA strands from the book of Genesis, right? There's been uh, the classic fall of man came from the serpent deceiving Eve to say, look, if you eat of this fruit, your eyes will be open and you will become more like God. Okay. So it's been there right from the start. And when you get through to the book of Revelation, if you make it that far in the Bible, so from, from cover to cover, there has been this desire for men to become godlike to achieve immortality uh noel yuval noel harari is big on this about achieving immortality and we can be gods and we can dictate gene sequences and we can make people immortal these god mm. fantasies bill gates has a god fantasy in the in the old testament they built the thing called the Torah of babel they wanted to reach up to be into heaven to you know to to connect with the almighty there's always been this desire of man mm-hmm. to ascend and to be as knowledgeable and as powerful and as omnipotent as God himself. And it's always ended up in uh, disaster. And uh, yeah, that's that's also the path that we're going on now as a society, as you can probably see. It's not yeah. improving yeah. with all our God aspirations. I, I shudder to think if you could look at me in the eye and say, Rick, the world's a better place now as a result of all of our endeavors, my friend. It's a it's a cesspit. Yeah, yeah. I mean... That's the thing. I think that we we often measure progress on this very, we tend to measure progress basically by technological progress alone. And we yeah. eliminate all other factors and just say, okay, well, do we have 
do we have better phones than we did? Do we have faster computers? You know, do we have mm-hmm. quicker transportation or whatever? And it's like, that is an incredibly narrow confine to measure progress. I, I wonder actually when you look at, you know, people who lived in in, in tribes and people who, mm-hmm. who kind of lived even just like several hundred years ago, let alone a couple of thousand years ago, seems like people actually tend to, you know, I mean, I, I look at things like the, um, the Stoics and stuff. And I'm like, mm-hmm. are we, are we on a better, are we better people than the Stoics? I, I doubt it. No, we're not. I, I, you talk about tribes. I mean, I, I've been, I've done a, some overseas work. I've been spent time in, in the, the bush in Kenya and Uganda and Tanzania with the Maasai tribe, with the Turkana tribe, living with them, existing with them, no electricity, no running oh, wow. water, no toilets, uh, under threat of violence from neighboring tribes in the middle of civil wars. And despite all of that, despite all of that, let me tell you this, that I'm more contented uh, and get on with things and not complain group of people you could not hope to meet. Uh, We are weak. We have become weekend. We have become soft and completely unable to really exist in the West on account of the progressive technology creep that we have. And dare I say this, if we want to um, have a revival, if we want to move forward, we've got to start looking back, not forward, because Again, trajectory. Look at the trajectory that we're on. If we keep going forward this way, we're going to hit a brick wall and it's going to be a mess. We need to start thinking the pre-internet days. We need to talk about communicating, spending time in each other's company, having conversations face-to-face, you know, the the art of conversation and, 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 and getting together with people and thrashing out ideas and just socializing without technology involved. My friend, it is it has infinitely weakened us and it, it really hasn't contributed jot to us as a people. In fact, dare I say it's hastening our hastening our demise. That's that's just my take on it. Yeah, I mean, um it's slightly tangential, but have you seen the documentary by Matt Walsh, What is a Woman? I have seen parts of it, yes. Uh, I have seen parts of it, and I think he's done a, a very good job with it. I don't know much about him. I've seen clips of it and actually uh, one of the tribes he spent time with the Maasai tribe. He was asking them about it, an old village elder. Those are the kind of people that I've I've spent time with, and uh, yeah, yes. they don't do this nonsense uh, over in their part of the world. Yeah, well, that was what I was going to say. Actually, that scene specifically, um, you know, they they couldn't possibly understand the idea that you would try to go against nature and to to kind of change your your sex. Mm-hmm. Um, it did the concept just didn't make any sense to them. And Correct. it kind of got me thinking, well, I, I wonder whether, you know, you can actually measure, um, you know, mm-hmm. hum- like progression of the, you know, mm-hmm. humanity in a way, uh-huh. like how far away we actually go from our own innate nature. That, that seems to be a better scale for me because mm-hmm. we're living in societies where, I mean, I don't think it's so bad in, in the, you know, the UK, but yeah. certainly in, in America, like it's crazy. Apparently now it's something like a quarter of school children don't identify um, as the, the gender, you know, mm-hmm. that they were, as they call it, assigned at birth mm-hmm. and things like this. Yep. And it seems like maybe maybe as we become more spiritually disconnected, mm-hmm. the, the more mm-hmm. that you go, the more that you reject your fundamental, the, 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 the truth of your own human nature. Like, you know, it's a slippery slope, all right? 
People say we've fallen off a cliff, uh, we've fallen into a pit. We haven't fell into anything. We've slid, we've been sliding down a long, slippery slope for decades now. Okay, so even if you listen to Yuri Bizmenov, who I'm a big fan of, listening to his lectures, he talks about uh, subversion, subversion of a nation. He said it takes 15 to 20 years to fully subvert a nation and get them to change their whole ideology, their whole way of thinking, their whole way of acting, okay, to bring in regime change. So he said that's the average amount of time a child will spend in school is 15 to 20 years. So we need to have an entire generation of children that have been brainwashed and indoctrinated and have their their thinking changed and subverted. And it's happening now. They've been subverting us now for decades. And disturbingly, Johnny, he also said that if you if you decided we're in a bad place and we need to do something about this. He said it'll take another 15 to 20 years to undo the damage, which is another generation of children coming through the educational system to set them right. So you talk about a quarter of children are not identifying as their ballot. Where did that come from? It came from perverted teachers. It came from, uh, you know, deviant educational diktats that are put down into kids in public schools. Uh, The the rate of uh, children identifying as trans has went up by 4,000% in the last 10 years. Are you trying to tell me that that's not as a result of indoctrination and subversion and, and bombarding children who have increasingly increasing access to the internet and all sorts of god-awful content from age three and four now. Their parents are bringing children to see drag queens stripping and getting them to tip the money. Some of the shows are quite sexual. Pride parades, kids are being brought to them as well. And basically, it's a playground for for uh, deviant men who want to exhibit sadomasochistic fetishes. I have nothing against gay people. I have nothing against them walking through the street. But please, uh, show me some of that footage and don't tell me that those are just perverts who get off and walking around naked in public on a leash, get some kind of kick out of it. And mommy and daddy happen to think that it would somehow enrich their children to bring them along and see that mate uh, it's a slippery slippery slope and we've been sliding down it for a long time there's stuff happening this year that would never have happened last year or the year before the year before that the boundaries are slowly being pushed in terms of perversion and deviancy and abhorrent behavior and it's become normalized and it's become widespread and now if you speak out against it you're a racist you're a homophobe you're a transphobe you're this you're that or the other listen if you're if you're speaking the truth now, you're a bad dude. End of story. There's been a complete inversion of all that is good is now evil, and all that is evil is now good. Which again, yeah. let me dovetail it in, is what the Bible said would happen in the end times, and you're seeing it with your very eyes and hearing it with your ears. Right. I mean, you know, like I obviously can share my my views about around things like the the kind of transgender movement mm-hmm. and stuff quite openly. You know, with people mm-hmm. such as yourself, Rick, and you know, other people who kind of seem to be on this, on this side of the discussion, let's say, Uh but you know, I, I know that I have friends, if they, if they listen to to this podcast, they'd be horrified thinking I'm some kind of, you know, um, outrageous bigger, Uh because I think that we should be, be cautious not to hack our own genitalia off. Now, I, I just seems to me that, you know, when you're at the point where people think that not wanting people to essentially kind of perform surgeries on themselves, irreversible um, surgeries yep. that are going to cause huge trauma to the human body in order to satiate some kind of mental um, conception, which is mm-hmm. totally contrary to the truth of their own um, nature. The, mm-hmm. the idea that that 
is somehow bad and, and bigoted is so crazy to me. And to be honest, it's, I say it's crazy to me, but I used to be that person, right? Like before, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, for me, it was probably around 2016, maybe 2017 that I started, you know, before that I was pretty far left. And even when it came to a lot of these other things, I didn't, I didn't necessarily have a huge opinion on things like transgenderism. I didn't particularly think it was wrong. I thought, okay, well maybe this is just a kind of quirk in the human human psyche and people can go along with it. But now I kind of, I recognize that it doesn't mean that you don't respect or have love mm-hmm. for your fellow man, someone who, Correct. who might decide to do this. You can still love and respect them and want the best for them. But actually part of what's wanting the best for them is wanting them to um, see the truth of their own nature and be happy and content in with it. Not to say, mm-hmm. okay, you should hack your own body up because you were born in the wrong mm-hmm. body. You know, God made a mistake or, mm-hmm. you know, whoever it is, you know, there was a mistake of yep. nature for you to be born in this body. For me, that is, you're not doing a service to that person. So you might feel like you are virtuous, but you're not doing a service to that person by telling them that narrative. Mm-hmm. You see, well, here's the thing. Okay. Uh, let's, let's clarify here. I'm not a homophobic. If someone's gay or they're lesbian and they want to live their lives that way, do it. Make yourself happy if that's your thing. Or if you're straight, that's your thing. Or if you're if you if you if you want to dress up in women's clothes and you're a guy, then that's your thing and you're not hurting anyone. Well, do it. I don't really care how anyone particularly lives their life. But my issue comes uh, whenever people start to tell me that I should accept that mindset as being something that's, you know, scientific. There's 150 genders and you must use pronouns and this, that or the other. Our children must have access to puberty bloggers from age five and six and seven. Look at the disgrace that happened in the Tavistock Clinic that's been closed down. They were performing uh, surgeries on children, double mastectomies, penectomies, cutting off their penises. My friend, for many, many years, there was a whole outcry, uh, especially in uh, places like Somalia or Sudan, about female genital mutilation, how horrific it was. Young girls yeah. were taken and they had their, their genitals mutilated and it's a disgrace and we should stand up against that. And now, in 2022, there are doctors Doctors and clinics saying, we welcome children. We welcome them to come. We want to enable them to become the person that they think they want to be. Tell me, my friend, is that progress? <laughs> is that progress where doctors are acting as butchers, as sort of backstreet abortionists, as backstreet genital mutilators? And I've been in those areas, uh, you know, for meals, you know, you're circumcised at 13 if you belong to certain tribes in yeah. Western Kenya, whether you like it or not. And it's not carried out in the hospital. And it's not carried out under anesthetic. There's a local dude who happens to be the guy with the sharp knife who goes from village to village every two years, and the kids sit in a river for two for two or three hours to numb their 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 genitals as much as possible while this dude walks around, usually drunk, and lops off, hopefully, only their foreskin. That's the way it's done out there. That's tradition. Don't tell me that's a good thing, but effectively that's what doctors are now doing, saying, okay, Rick, uh, you're eight years of age and you've been to school and your teachers have had a chat and you think you're a girl, so we're going to cut off your penis and your your testicles and we're going to give you estrogen and progesterone and you're going to grow breasts. Mate, come on, eight-year-old, 10-year-old, 14, 15. What were you doing at 14 and 15? I thought I was going to be a heavy metal star. I had waist-length hair. I wore skin-tight jeans. I, I was all over the place, mate. So if I can't vote, if I can't buy cigarettes, if I can't buy a lottery card and I can't drive a car, I sure as hell can't decide uh, to have a life-changing, irreversible surgery performed on my young, formative body. 
but yet that's what they're pushing and saying it's night it's acceptable and if you speak out against it like we're doing we're somehow trying to harm children's development inversion johnny inversion as we become more godless it actually i think goes further than that as well because it's not even just a matter of you know whether children can consent to it or whether adults are pushing it on other people for me it's more about the fundamental idea that there is something to be celebrated about um, performing you know life-changing surgeries to your body which are going to essentially negatively impact your health i mean if we can't as a society all agree that you know it's a bad thing to kind of cut off your genitals right and, mm-hmm. and cause yourself these huge um down the line health problems from from these surgeries if we can't as a society decide that we can't decide about truth about anything so correct i, I don't think that this is a a kind of superfluous um kind of endeavor to try mm-hmm. to tackle some of these things and to say and to speak mm-hmm. out about them it's not just a matter of oh well you're just picking fights you know it's it's harmless actually it gets mm-hmm. the, it gets to the core of what's our philosophy as a society mm-hmm. what do we care about and what do we deem to be true and to be worthwhile pursuing and for me you know human health is a worthy pursuit you know the pursuit of ensuring that your body is optimally healthy and when something runs completely counter to that it seems rational that we should reject it mm-hmm. Totally, totally. And and the thing is as well, remember, this is happening in primary schools. This is happening to children from four years, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10. The seeds are being sown even in preschool into their heads. What are your pronouns? You tell us your pronouns. Are you sure you're comfortable? You can wear a skirt if you want. Listen, when I went to school, uh, let me just say, maybe there were people that deep down inside maybe wanted to dress as women or wanted to dress as guys, but they didn't do it. It was, it was non-existent. But this has only happened with the advent of uh, the internet and the spreading of this propaganda through the internet and these deviants that are responsible for it want to harm children. And at the end of the day, even if you want to tie it all back, you know, the one thing Satan wants to do more than anything is harm the innocent, harm children. And there's an absolute all-out attack happening in children from the womb until the age 18 right now. Uh, if their pharma companies aren't after them, uh, these, uh, these indoctrination uh, theories and ideologies are after them and confusing them and locking them up and telling them they're going to kill granny and wanting to inject them and masking them and hampering their development and socially isolating them has there ever been a time when it, has there ever been a worse time in history to be a kid yeah i mean i'm not sure what's happening uh, these days in the schools to be honest because it's just you know i don't have kids myself and you know it's i'm very far removed from that but i imagine that probably if i went into a school today it'd be very different from when i was in school so believe me it is yeah. i have a I have a, a teenage daughter and we took her out of school uh, they locked us, they, they kicked her out anyway when the first lockdown came in March 2020. They deprived her from education for nine whole months. And then in December 2020, the last time she was in school was uh, proper was March 2020. And this was her GCSE years. And by the grace of God, again, give God the glory and the thanks and the praise. Today, she did her GCSEs at home on her own, with no teaching, no support whatsoever from the school, to be quite honest with you. And she passed them all, thank God, and she's going on to technical college now to do what she wanted to do. So uh, trust me, they're not good places to be in. And if you speak to any teachers off the record or maybe on the record, trust me, they're not good places to be. And a little recommendation for you, Sarah Plumley, you would have probably a very good conversation with she's her. She's been she, on. 
Oh, has she? Right. Yeah. Well, Sarah Plumley is an absolute legend. I have a lot of time for Sarah Plumley, and she has a, a like a t- online teaching academy. And to be honest, the last few months that my daughter was studying maths in particular, she availed of uh, Sarah Plumley's teaching, and I think that got her over the line with maths, which is what she hated. So yeah, she could uh, she could certainly give you the warts and all breakdown of what's going on in schools right now. Speaking as an ex deputy teacher and maths adjudicator and invigilator and marking exams, she's done it all. She knows the score, so yeah, you've already spoke to her, so you'll know you'll know the story. Yeah, she she was in uh, she was one of my my early ones. I think it was oh, I can't remember the exact episode number, but mm-hmm. I had Sarah Plumley, and yeah, that was a big eye opener for me. I didn't realize how bad it was until hearing from her. So yeah, <sighs> definitely. Has she have you had her on um, TNT as well? Yeah, I've had her on maybe, have her on maybe once a month and get a breakdown in the current state of play and also what her views are and digging into contents of textbooks and things like that and trying to provide parents uh, an alternative to public schooling because I believe if you can, especially now, especially now, if you can get your kids out of uh, public education, take time it can be done flexibly and as she would point out uh, on an average school day of what eight hours probably two hours is actually spent learning the rest of the time is faffing about filling in worksheets lining up saying your name taking your breaks running about blah 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 you can condense it all down and you don't have to really uh do a lot to put in the time and effort to be able to homeschool your kids and her uh website i think it's sarah plumley it's substack.com mm-hmm. uh any per, anyone listening to this uh, that are thinking about, you know, should I, should I not? Will I be stigmatized? To hell with stigma. It's your kid's mental and physical well-being is on the line potentially here. And for some people, uh, not all obviously, but it's certainly something you should explore doing is getting your kids the heck out of uh, your educational system because they're not, they're not geared up for your kid's benefit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I've thought about it because I live in Mexico and when I was in... Um, I just I think that this hasn't seemed to have worked its way into some of the de- developing economies so much. I just don't think that mm-hmm. kids are, are learning that kind of stuff over here. Yeah. So I think you're somewhat inoculated being outside of some of these yeah. Western nations, but certainly in the UK, America, you know, probably most of Western Europe. I would be a bit concerned putting my kids in school there, but. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, Mexico's a good move, I believe, of a guy, an author from the UK, moved out there 15 years ago, a guy called Richard Richard Nichols, who I speak with quite a lot on the he's show. He's been on the show as well. Oh, has he? <laughs> yeah, he's a friend. Well, there you go. Great minds think. I think he's in Guadalajara, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. No, he's he's in Merida. Oh, in Merida. Right. Sorry. Yeah. I'm thinking maybe there's a presenter we have on here uh, called Hrvoje Moric, who's a Croatian, but I believe he's residing in uh, Mexico as well. So yeah, Mexico seems to be... Uh, the place of choice for uh, media broadcaster expat types. Maybe I'll maybe I'll join you out there someday, Johnny. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That'd be great. We can start an empire here. <laughs> yeah, why not? Have you had Richard on? Yeah, I've spoke to him a couple of times as well. Um, I heard him on Hervoye Morici's show and I thought, yeah, I would like to speak with him. And he's an author and he knows his stuff. And uh, I, I try and dig deep into different countries. So I try and, you know, not just be European or American. I try and say, okay, yeah. what's happening in Mexico? What's happening in South Africa? What's happening in Croatia? You know, trying to get a bit of flavor and a bit of mix in there rather than just, you know, 
digging deep into areas and seeing are there any similarities and differences between the UK and you mentioned it about uh, education for example a lot of stuff maybe wouldn't fly in Mexico that's flying in the UK and the drag thing may not happen in Mexico I know it certainly wouldn't happen in Africa uh, they would be stoned if not necklaced and yeah you know everywhere is different and the places that are resisting these lunatic policies and these wokeisms are the ones that are doing better on a personal level, on a spiritual level, on a personal contentedness level, rather than the woke is death, Johnny. That's all there is to it, woke is death. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I probably used to be somewhat woke myself. And mm-hmm. now that I'm kind of just out of that world, I'm, I'm like, yep. God, it's just so, yeah, it's just so wrong. It just seems to be all of the wrong you know, ideas, basically, you know, we, we, mm-hmm. we need, we need fundamental kind of principles and values, which are, yep. which are unchanging. And wokeism yep. is the antithesis to that. It's basically saying, you know, we're going to have different rules for different people based upon, mm-hmm. you know, what your ethnicity is or, or what your, your mm-hmm. gender identity is or whatever. And, you know, it just seems to be so, it just flies in the face of all of the things that have kind of built our civilization. Correct. Um, and Correct. taking us, you know, back to, well, I don't even know if these ideas have existed before, but they, maybe it's a new phenomenon, but they're, yeah, so fundamentally wrong. I'd say the concept, the concepts have always been there, but the access to technology and the erosion of morality and the, 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 the disintegration of the family unit in general and the removal of, God from society in general certainly has left us more susceptible coupled with technology that's everywhere for these things to be seeded into people's heads. And like weeds, they take root and they grow up quick and they spread like a fungus. And like I said, hence the the position that we're in now. It's just a societal uh, decline that we're in that that started many years ago, but it's being accelerated right now. The the velocity and the trajectory. There you go again. Those two words. They're yeah. they're they're pointing a certain way. All right. So I'm gonna go with one last question for you, yep. Rick. I actually had a bunch more on here, but I think I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it because otherwise I'm gonna be kind of looping around to some other themes that we've okay. explored. But it would be good to go into them more. But um, perhaps there'll be another time for that. Yeah. So my last question then is. Is it the end? Is is what we're seeing the end times? And if they are, how long are they going to last? And what's the fate of all of us who are living to see these times? Okay. Well, again, I'll give you my personal uh, opinion. Uh, many, many people would say it's lunacy. Many people would say it's fantasy. Many people would say you've got it all wrong. Many people would say it's not going to happen like that. So I'm going to answer your question based on what I believe and based on my sure. reading of the Bible over a long time period of time and a lot of soul searching and a lot of honest to God looking at the way things are developing. Okay. So is this the end right now? No, not like right now, but I believe we're moving into a period that's going to usher in the end of life uh, as we know it. Uh, What will that entail? Ultimately, it will involve the worst period of suffering and carnage and depravity in the history of the world. Uh, It's called the Great Tribulation. If you want to read about this in your own time, any listeners or you yourself personally, read Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24, one chapter. It outlines everything that's going to happen in these days, the way that it will look and how it will ultimately end up. So I believe, I don't know exactly when we're going to go into this period. It will be seven years. It's called the Great Tribulation. 
it will manifest or it will come to a conclusion with the return of Christ, I believe, for the second time to the earth, the second advent, at which point he will restore order onto the earth and dole out uh, <laughs> wrath and judgment and retribution for all the heinous evil that is going unchecked at this point in time. So I believe we're on the cusp. We may have just entered that period. We may about to just be entering into that period, but I don't think we have any more than 10 years left as we are as per now. Maximum 10 years. We might even have less than that. That's just an idea. The Bible says nobody knows the exact date or time of the return of Christ. So but we're told to watch and we're told to look out for signs. And when we see the signs, we know that it's at the doors. All right. So based on everything that's happening, the the, the acceleration of the move towards cashless CBDCs, control vaccination programs, you'll start to see a lot of people dying, taking seriously ill over the next one to two years as these uh, experimental products kick in, massive amounts of death, famine will kick in, engineered famine, controlling weather systems, etc. And then there will be the rise of the so-called Antichrist, and even that was trending on Twitter today as well, which was bizarre. So you have things... You have things trending on Twitter like uh, Bill Gates is the Antichrist. Uh, is it Klaus Schwab? No, it's not. Uh, you'll know him when he he comes because he'll 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 bring a, a a weak peace to the earth. He'll seem to solve all the world's problems, and then he will usher in this peace system. And if you don't play ball in it, then it's game over. That's all there is to it. Unless uh, you're you're saved by the skin of your teeth when Christ returns, as you're making your resistance. So, in a nutshell, how do I see this developing? Uh, not good. End of story. That's just what I believe. And I'm basing this on my faith in the Bible, not what I want to happen. I want things to get resolved. I want everything to go back to normal. I want all the evil to disappear. I want there to be justice for these people. I want to see them in court. I want to see them tried. I want to see them jailed. That's what I want. Yeah. I would like, but what I want and what I would like and what will actually happen, maybe two different things. So like I said, read Matthew 24, it talks about a period of great tribulation and distress such as was never seen before and never will be seen again. And you're going to, you're already seeing the pain, Johnny, ramping up. All right. You're seeing more and more instances of people dying, kids dying, uh, talking about food shortages, energy prices going through the roof. You're going to starve or freeze this winter if you're hungry for a few days. And again, we're soft in the West. We, maybe people have never fasted or done without food or skipping meals. They're going to know about it quickly. Their kids are going to be suffering. They're going to be crying. They're not going to be able to access the foods that they want. The power could be going out. The, the misery basically will ramp up if things keep going the way that they're going. Yeah. Businesses will fail. And up until this point, by the way, there's been a relentless money printing, uh, you know, operation going on. You know, what is it? 80% of America's money has been printed in the last two years, like in history. So the printing presses have went into overdrive. Inflation will go to hyperinflation, which will go to stagflation. You'll see mass unemployment. You'll see mass people losing their houses because they can't pay their mortgages and interest rates are going up. Woe after woe after woe after woe. Yeah. Am I being a doom merchant? I don't think so. If you join the dots to where things are at the minute and the way that they're going, that is the trajectory that we are on, okay? And everything that we've called up until this point, and some people have been calling it for a few years now with the bringing in of the vaccines, they will be mandated. You won't be able to work without them. You won't be able to travel without them. They'll keep asking them to be stuck into your arms and so on and so forth. It's all came true. 
And I believe this financial side then, this financial ruin and disintegration of the economy will heap uh, woe after woe after woe on people and make them susceptible to take any solution that's offered to them to A, keep a roof over their head and B, put food on the table. So if someone rocks up and said, okay, Johnny, you've no house, you're hungry, your kids are starving, you take this mark or you don't eat, Mm-hmm. There isn't going to be a whole lot of resistance. So people are going to be ground down uh, until that happens. And this is all part of the the tribulation, which will usher in uh, the Antichrist. who will provide all these solutions, which obviously a caveat, you take my mark and you worship me or you're dead meat. So that's the path I think that we're going on at the minute. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And yeah, uh, you've just got to ride it out as best you can physically. Prepare yourself put some food away. Don't be stupid with your spending. Stay fit as you can and take life one day at a time. And if you've got faith like me, it doesn't matter what happens to me because ultimately I know my, uh, I've got eternal security through my faith in Jesus Christ alone. That's another, you know, the whole aspect of uh, evangelical Christianity is something maybe for another time. But Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes unto the Father but by me. Okay. And it also says in Acts 4 and 12, it says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved but by the name of Jesus Christ. And by the way, last thing from my side, there's talk about revival. There'd be a great awakening and there'd be a great coming to the Lord and people will be getting saved and turning to Jesus and it's all going to be wonderful. That's not what the Bible says. If you go to Second Thessalonians, it says there will be a great falling away from the faith before the man of sin or the son of perdition is revealed. Okay, so if anything, the believers will shrink and more people will turn their back on it. And even Christ said, he said, the road to destruction is broad and many people go on it, but the road to eternal life is narrow and few there be that find it. So I don't know, maybe, maybe. Okay. I'm, yeah. Cause yeah. I was going to ask you about that because I know earlier in the conversation, you said that um, you didn't believe that there was going to be this, this kind of great saving and stuff. So I thought you didn't, I thought you didn't believe the, general idea that there will be a returning of Christ, but you do. Oh, no, 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 there absolutely 100% will be. That's what I live for. But there's a, there's a belief among some Christian circles that the, the, the church will avoid the seven years of hell because Christ's going to come back and take them away in what's called a pre-tribulation rapture. No, I absolutely don't believe in that at all. But the return of ah, second okay. coming of Christ, absolutely 100% believe in it. It's completely biblical. It's in uh, Matthew. It's in all the gospels. It's in Revelation. It's it's in the Book of Jude. It's it's all over the place. So yeah, that's my hope. That's my blessed hope. But that we have to suffer some before that happens. I, I guess you know just just one more thing, and I will um, I will let you go. But it's, uh-huh. it's an interesting concept. I just want to give you um, a thought I was having, which is that yeah, I, I guess where I'm where I'm at with my current views and all of this uh-huh. is that I still very much see. Um, I, I think there's a lot to be learned and to be mm-hmm. ascribed from the Bible and, and yeah. the teachings of Christianity. But I see this kind of return of Christ concept that it could be almost a, a, a metaphor for a returning of a kind of way of living, which is more Christ-like, which will happen mm-hmm. off the back of so much hell. So I almost mm-hmm. see us as coming to the end of it and maybe 2030 will mark the, the lowest point or whatever. Mm-hmm. But because we are being forced into either these kind of, you know, these systems of, you know, digital gulags and, mm-hmm. you know, CBDCs and, you know, taking a, a vaccine every, every three months and, you know, messing with your, you know, your, your genetics and, and all of this kind of stuff. Yeah. But the people who reject it, 
will actually end up living more in line with kind of I get I guess their their own human nature and yeah. that they will be on more of a kind of like heavenly path and that this concept of mm-hmm. you know the the saving of humanity will actually just be the few people yeah. generally speaking in the world like obviously proportionally mm-hmm. speaking yeah. who actually say no I'm going to reject all this stuff I'm going to live according to my my deepest convictions and to mm-hmm. in alignment with my human nature and that that could be the the kind of quote unquote saving mm-hmm. rather than mm-hmm. a a physical Christ like figure and obviously that's just my interpretation at this stage but I yeah. think it, it's an idea I'm 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 playing with in my mind in a way you're right because well i I believe obviously that christ will come back why because he said so and because that's what the word of god says so it's a literal physical return and i'll tell you where it'll happen his feet will set onto the mount of olives uh in in modern day jerusalem that's where he's going to touch down because where he went up from uh he ascended from that's where he's going to come back from again that's biblical okay so where where was that uh the mount of olives in uh jerusalem Oh, okay. Okay, so you you read about it. Read about it in Acts chapter one and uh, Matthew twenty four. You know, you can do some general research and you'll find uh, a lot more information on it. But when he does come back, he will establish. Uh, there will be what I believe the Bible calls a millennial reign of Christ on earth, which will last for a thousand years, where everything will be in order and everything will be in that utopian state that you describe. But it absolutely in my opinion, will not come as a result of people just saying, hang on a minute, we need to undo this evil. As most dictators will tell you, or or historical analysts will tell you that when power is given to tyrants and dictators, they never give it up willingly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They never give it up willingly. So, you know, something's going to have to come to prize it from their their grubby little paws. And yeah, I believe it's going to be the physical, literal return of Christ, uh, as the Bible said. But again, listen, that's just me. You can take it or leave it. You can think it's a wild fantasy. You can put your own slant on it. But also remember, as you said, you know, my position, I've reached this after a period of time, uh, you know, a lot of soul searching and reflection and and prayer and meditation. You said yourself, you, you used to be a little bit woke. I used to be a little bit more tolerant about certain things. Your position can change over time based on your circumstances. So mm-hmm. where you're at right now, just keep going with it and let it go wherever it takes you. You'll come to your own conclusions and whatever conclusions you come to are the right ones for you. Like I said, my caveat is this is just my own personal belief and faith. Sounds loony to some people. Other people could be nodding their heads and say, uh-huh, that's the way I think it's going to happen. But ultimately, Johnny, my my other favorite catchphrase is time will tell. Someday we're going to find out if I was right or wrong. And you know what? I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong about all of this. But deep down inside the old gut saying, Rick, yeah, you, you're right. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, this has been an awesome conversation, Rick. I'm so glad that, um, you know, we, we had this conversation and mm. yeah, I, I had more stuff to ask, but this has been really great. And we've gone into a lot of the themes I, I wanted to. So Good. thanks so much for being so generous with your time. You're welcome. Do you want to just let my audience know, first of all, where they can find you and then any parting message you have as well? Uh, yeah, um, basically, well, on social media, I have a Twitter account. If you're interested, it's uh, if you search on Twitter at No Risk, No Reward, uh, you should be able to find me there. I'm broadcasting Monday to Friday, uh, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. UK time on TNT Radio. Our website is tntradio.live. You can download the TNT Radio app from the App Store or the Google Store. You know, I'm there. Uh, I usually leave my DMs open if anybody has questions. That you know, I'll try my best to answer them. You know, 
in terms of parting advice, like I said, be prepared, prepare for the worst. And if it happens, at least you're ready for it. If it doesn't happen, well, then, you know, it's all been much ado about nothing. But be aware that, you know, I think we've only got a finite window left of time to prepare ourselves for the hell that's coming. And today's another day to do that. And when we move into tomorrow, it's another day lost. So keep your powder dry, stay on point, and most importantly, stay sane. <laughs>